Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to our slash nuclear revenge, where this genius comes up with the simplest, most beautiful way to destroy 300 pounds worth of meat. A neighbor hit my car and lied about it. So I ruined 300 pounds of meat while he was on vacation. This happened about five or six years ago. For some context, my neighbor, we'll call him Chester, is your stereotypical weekend outdoorsman type. He owns at least 10 different baseball caps and they all have camo on them. He's one of those. He drives a Jeep, which will be important later, and usually spends his weekends either hunting, fishing, or prepping for when the bombs drop. I tried to explain to him once that we were within the fallout range of a major city, so if it got hit, we'd be screwed either way, but whatever. Everyone needs a hobby, and some people's is collecting canned peaches. Two weeks before the revenge, I came outside to see my car had a broken window on the passenger side, and that part of the frame was dented just above the door handle. I can tell immediately from the size and shape of the dent exactly what it was from. As I said, my neighbor, Chester, drives a Jeep, and mounted on his front grille is a cable wench he uses for putting stumps and whatnot. It juts out almost a foot and a half in front of the bumper and is made of solid metal. Anyone with a picture of the wench and the shape of the dent in my car could CSI that just from eyeballing it. The dent is almost identically shaped and situated at the same height the wench was mounted. On top of that, Chester lives directly across the street from me and he likes to back into his driveway. Conveniently enough, my car is always parked on the street, so he has ample opportunities to hit it. I asked Chester about it and without saying anything, he shook his head while biting his lip like some clueless cartoon character. I then asked if anyone who borrowed his car might have done it because the wench itself was pretty scratched up almost like he's been ramming it into things all over town. Again, Chester silently shakes his head and then tries to tell me it was probably teenagers. No exposition, mind you, he just blamed it on teenagers. I was fuming, but kept my composure and went home to call the police and my insurance company to report it. I managed to get a competent police officer who told me point blank that it was clear what happened, but without a witness, it would be pointless to try and prove it. The insurance agent was equally certain of Chester's guilt, but ended up recommending I pay out of pocket for the repair. Since I was parking on the streets, it was a factor the insurance company might use against me if I filed the claim. When it came time for them to recalculate and adjust my monthly rate, I could see a significant increase. A few hundred out of pocket right now could save me several hundred a year going forward if my rate was increased due to my own negligence, which is what the claim would unfortunately be categorized as. Raw deal, for sure, but at least he was honest with me. Fast forward to two weeks later. Chester and his family are going up north to rough it in nature for a week. And despite my cold attitude towards him in recent days, he asked me to keep an eye on his house while he's gone, since I'm the only person in the neighborhood that he trusts, apparently. I agreed to do it, not because I had any type of revenge in mind, but because he gifted me a large case of beer for my service. His one request was that I call him if we have any extreme weather because he'd need me to check on something. Two nights after he left, we had a nasty storm. 
wind, hail, and even a few rolling blackouts. The next morning, I called Chester to ask what he needed me to check on, but he didn't answer. Knowing Chester, he'd probably set up camp in some rural part of America with no cell phone service, even though he'd asked me to call him if this happened. After a few failed attempts, I went over to his house to inspect for any potential issues that might have arisen from the weather. I figured he was probably worried about his garage flooding since his yard was frequently a moat after heavy rain. I went into the garage and there was no flooding, but something caught my eye immediately. Four large freezer chests lined up side by side, taking up a huge chunk of the wall. I peeked inside one and immediately realized what Chester was worried about. All four of them were packed from floor to lid with meat. Some of it was still in packages from the grocery store and some of it was wrapped in butcher paper, likely game picked up from Chester's hunting exploits. But on the top of one of the freezers was something else that seemed out of place. It was a red solo cup full of frozen water with a penny sitting on top. I thought that was weird and dismissed it immediately, but curiosity got the better of me later that day when I got home. I decided to Google it, and what I learned instantly clicked as a way to get the ultimate revenge on Chester for hitting my car and sticking me with the repair bill. There's an old life hack that people used to use when they went on vacation. You freeze a cup of water, then place a penny on top of it and stick it in your freezer. If your power goes out, the water will eventually melt and the penny will fall to the bottom of the cup. If you return home and the penny is at the bottom of the cup, your freezer was off for an extended period of time and now everything in it has potentially defrosted and become unfit for consumption. I've just clocked what's about to happen. That is brilliant. I immediately got up and ran back to Chester's garage to scope out the legitimacy of my nefarious deed. As luck would have it, Chester's circuit breaker was hidden behind a tool shelf, not directly visible to the naked eye. Who would put a shelf in front of a circuit breaker? Well, Chester, of course. So I promptly took the cup out of the freezer and sat it on Chester's porch to let it get a little sun. After a few hours, the ice had melted enough that the penny slipped right to the bottom of the cup. I then put the cup back in the freezer, being very careful to position it exactly where it was when I took it out before moving on to the last phase of my insidious plan. I started blowing up Chester's phone with calls and frantic text messages. Chester, where is your circuit breaker? I can't find it and your power's off. Get back to me ASAP. I did this countless times over the next two days before I finally got a call back from Chester. He told me immediately where to go in his garage to find the circuit breaker which of course I already knew thanks to my prior detective work. I sat the phone down and flipped the circuit breaker twice, once to turn it off and then a second time to turn it back on, giving it just enough time to mess with the digital clocks on all his appliances. And with that, my revenge was complete. All that was left was for Chester to come back home, which took another two days. When Chester got back home, I was nervous, but eager to see if my charade had worked. The next day, I got a knock on my door. It was Chester. He asked me if I wanted some meat to give to my dogs. Apparently, the power had been off for too long and all the meat in his freezers had thawed out while he was gone, so he was throwing it out. I asked him how much he had and he said it was probably somewhere close to 300 pounds. He didn't want to waste it all, so he asked if I wanted to give some to my dogs. I graciously helped myself to roughly half a freezer's worth of meat some of which I stored in my own fridge 
and the rest chester was nice enough to offer to hold on to in his freezer until i needed it the kicker is that chester of course had no idea the meat never actually defrosted and was still perfectly good that night i helped myself and my dogs to a couple of nice steaks courtesy of old chester himself who was still busy walking the neighborhood unloading the tainted meat on anyone who had a cat or dog that might want it it was at least four or five months before me and my dogs went through all the meat chester had given us i don't know if i made all my money back for the repairs on my car but i didn't have to buy any meat for many a fortnight well there we go what a brilliant way to start off today's episode that was genius uh, I wonder if you guys can tell, by the way. Let me know in the comments down below if you could. The moment that I realized what exactly OP was going to do. And literally, a smile came on my face. I wonder if you could hear it in my in my voice there. But yeah, genius. So simple. I really like these sort of revenges where nobody really gets harmed. It's just good old revenge. Obviously, your neighbor Chester OP lost a lot of money here from the meat. But so did you by him failing to tell you that it was obviously him that, that crashed into your car. So that's fair. That's karma. He deserves it. Simple as that. Let me know as well down below, guys, in the comments when you realize exactly what OP was going to do and how simple it was. So good. Like, how can just doing this as an action, going outside, holding a cup of water and then putting it back in the freezer cause this amount of damage? Like, think about that. That is absolutely insane. But yeah, loved it. Let's move on to our next story of nuclear revenge. Drive over a kid's bike, pay the price. Okay, this story took place a very long time ago, in the summer of 1969. I was about 12. I had an early morning paper route in my neighborhood. One of the first things that I bought with my earnings was a brand new 10-speed bike. It was silver with red trim. I was really proud of it, and I took very good care of it. I also used it to deliver my newspapers in the morning. One of my customers was often leaving for work around the time that I got there. I always made a point of parking my bike well off to the side while I went up to deliver his paper. This particular morning, he turned too soon and too sharply while backing out of his driveway and backed right over my bikes, ruining the front sprocket and derailleur. He stuck his head out the window and asked, Is it okay? Not exactly i said well that's what you get for leaving it behind my car then he drove off i walked at home crushed and upset i felt helpless against this adult who clearly had no intention of doing anything about it and i didn't know what to do my hurt frustration and powerlessness gradually turned to anger i stopped delivering his paper and when he complained i told my supervisor that i was delivering but he just liked to complain so ultimately it wasn't held against me but the real revenge was yet to come he lived on the main route through the neighborhood that all the kids took to go to the local 7-eleven and other places his mailbox sat on a steel fence post loosely set into the ground that summer i got in the habit of pulling it up and throwing it over the fence into the cemetery across the street maybe once or twice a week it was fun and mischievous, but it still didn't satisfy my need for revenge. He had three large frond shrubs in his front yard that would grow to six or eight feet over the course of the summer and then begin to die back. They were several feet apart with nothing else close by. One August evening, I threw a lit match into one on my way home from the 7-Eleven. I never heard anything else, but on my route the next morning, it was just a burnt husk in his front yard. Over the next couple of weeks, I did the same to the other two. I was beginning to feel a bit satisfied. But one morning on the way home from delivering papers, I had an inspiration. 
I saw that the side window of his garage was open. Now, I knew that what I was considering was taking it a bit far, but I was an impulsive kid and I thought that tit for tat was fair. Back in the day, everybody carried row flares, aka emergency flares, in their cars. So I climbed through the window, found two flares, lit them, and stuck one right under slash behind each of his rear tires. Then I climbed out and hightailed it home and went back to bed. I didn't go back to see what happened, and I stayed away from the area for several days. I knew that I'd ruined his tires. I never saw the result, but I didn't care and I never did another thing to him. Well, my immediate reaction to this story is that perhaps this is a little bit strong, uh, potentially blowing up someone's car. I mean, who knows what actually happened to the, to the tires, if it was just the tires or if it was more. But then, this is a guy that took advantage of a kid and pretty much in his head, I imagine, was just like, you know what, because you're just a child, I don't really care that I've broken your bike. Just deal with it. But there's no way that he'd have the same reaction if it was an adult and an adult's bike. I just don't believe that. I think he's only said that and done that because you're a kid and probably didn't expect any repercussions. And you showed him that sometimes kids can get better revenge than adults. Phenomenal stuff. Now, you know what's actually amazing about this story is that this happened, what, 54 years ago? So this guy, OP, is now in his 60s, mid-60s, just chilling on Reddit, just writing out this story and saying, you know what, yeah. I'm a fan of this subreddit and I was one of the originators. You know, this revenge is over half a century old. It's so good. I absolutely love it. And uh, yeah, great stuff. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lawyer's pro-revenge on a wife-beater. Let's call him Joe. I have to call him something. The man I ruined, but I can't call him by his real name, so let's call him Joe. Joe was a wife-beater. I was hired by Joe's brother-in-law, the brother of the wife that Joe beats. My client was also Joe's ex-business partner. Aside from the whole you beat up my sister thing, my client had another beef with Joe, a serious business beef. My client took it to court and gave me the case to handle. Joe and his lawyers fought me long and hard. Joe was confident that his BS and outright perjury would carry the day. It had always worked before. His BS and his fists had won him a good settlement with his ex-wife, free of child support, so maybe he thought that threats and lies would carry the day once more. But he was wrong. And after the trial, I had a judgment against him. A big judgment, far bigger than he could pay. Joe twisted and turned and shimmied and shaked, but after a while, I'd located and taken all his assets. It was easy, really. Joe had no thought of consequences, and so he didn't lawyer up until it was too late. If one of my clients ever sues you, you're in trouble, because my clients lawyer up before they even know your name. But Joe didn't lawyer up until the process server threw the papers at his feet and by then it was far too late. I went through Joe's assets like a meat grinder and after a while, Joe had but one property left, a house. And he clung to that house, for it was rented out and his sole source of income. Joe lived in the unfinished basement and he survived on what the upstairs tenants paid him. He cashed their rent checks at payday loan places, paying hefty fees but it was worth it because he knew that I'd garnish any bank account that he opened. Joe managed to hide his rental place from me for a while because he owned it through a numbered company. But my investigator found him one day 
and followed him home. Joe self-repped his way through the next stage, which took a couple of years, while I punctured his corporate veils and his sad efforts at a fraudulent conveyance. But in the end, I had his last house, the house where he lived in the unfinished basement. Joe stepped out one day to get a pack of cigarettes, and when he came back, the sheriff had changed the locks. Can my client at least live in the basement? Joe's lawyer said to me, pro bono, because by this point, Joe had nothing to pay lawyers. I knew the pro bono guy. He practiced law nearby. As I was talking to him, I could see pro bono's guy's office window across the parking lot from my office tower window. Ask the purchaser, I said. It's out of my hands. And it was. I told Joe's lawyer that the new owner, a nominee, one of my client's employees, wouldn't let him back into his trashy basement apartment. Joe, a man who had owned this and that here and there and all over town, had just lost the last thing he owned on earth. Except for his truck. He still had his truck left. Joe's truck was this big gas-guzzling beast that he drove around in. It was too old and too frail to be worth seizing, so I let Joe keep it. And I was glad I did that. Because now the truck was where Joe slept. Until he made a mistake and lost his truck too. He lost his truck the day I got a phone call from the tenants at the house that Joe used to own. He came back and parked his truck across the driveway, the tenant said. Adding that Joe had gone nuts. He'd parked his truck there in a rage, out of spite, and then walked into town. Saying he'd be back later that day to sleep in his truck. Can you get around the truck? I asked. The tenant could not. The driveway was blocked. I called one of the tow truck guys that I used to defend back in my criminal lawyer days. And in a couple of hours, that truck was gone and parked somewhere else. Somewhere special in accordance with my specific instructions. My guy wants his truck back, the pro bono lawyer said the next day when he called me. Not happening, I said. I stood in my office 15 floors above the parking lot and looked down where I imagined my pro bono counterpart was standing in his office, facing the same lots. But you have no right to the truck, he said. Well, he has no right to block a man's driveway, I replied. It was terrible, really. Standing up high, pronouncing words that took away a man's final asset, the last thing he owned on earth. I imagine that this must be what God feels like before he strips a man of everything and sends him to hell. Are you really gonna make me go to court over this? Said the pro bono guy. Do what you gotta do, I said. And pro bono guy said his client was coming in the next day to sign an affidavit. And then they were going to court to get the truck back. But I was unconcerned. The next day was bright and the sun was shining and it was 9 a.m. as I looked out the window and sipped my coffee. My phone rang. I picked up and it was pro bono man. Why didn't you tell me that Joe's truck was parked right outside my office? His voice was tight and I could tell that he must have been shaking with anger. Is that so? I said, staring out at Joe's truck parked 15 stories below me. How careless of my bailiff to leave the truck where your client could easily take it back. I really must speak to him. Very funny. My client's going to sue. No, he isn't. He's going to get in that truck and drive away right now. I told my tow guy to fill up the tank and he gave it an oil change too. Gratis. Tell your client to get in his truck and drive off and that if I ever see that truck again, I'll seize it to satisfy the rest of my client's judgments. Pro bono guy tried to argue, but I was firm. Then I put the phone down and picked up my coffee. A few minutes later, Joe walked out of his lawyer's office and over to his truck. As he walked, I saw that there was no longer a bounce to his step. The joy had gone out of him. Joe wasn't the first guy I ruined and he won't be the last, but he is the only one whose final ruin I witnessed from on high from my office. And it was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. 
watching a man walk to his truck knowing that I'd stripped him of everything else he had and that he owed his possession of his last asset, his truck, to my mercy. Joe drove away, his big ancient truck spilling clouds of smoke from the exhaust. I was pretty sure I'd never hear from him again and I never did. And there we go. That is the end of that one. Now, again, might seem a little bit harsh, kind of like the first story, but with this one, we need to remember, and I was trying to remind myself as I was going through this, Joe is a wife beater. Does it get much worse than that? No. So therefore, of course, this is all completely vindicated. Now, to be fair, this does kind of read a little bit like fiction, but I'm just looking back through OP's posts just on his Reddit account. And it is all lawyer stuff. So I do believe that OP is an actual lawyer. Maybe they're just good at writing as well and, and came up with this. Thought was brilliant. Well, well written for sure. If I must admit, it did read a little bit like a story rather than an account of events. But yeah, Great stuff. Let me know down below what you thought. Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for this one. Really hope you enjoyed it. It's good to be back on the channel. If you're new around here and you want daily content from me, I'm going to go back to daily from now on. Trust me, but back. Then subscribe to the channel. Follow on whatever platform you're on. And I'll see you guys tomorrow for some more Reddit stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.